So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Yes, a post-holiday episode uh, that we're assembling through the miracles of, you know, intergalactic telecommunications. Absolutely. And thank, <laughs> thank God for technology and we <laughs> curse technology, right? But That's here right. we are. Thank goodness. So, if yeah, so. listeners, if the sound quality on this sounds uh, is less than what you're accustomed to, uh, don't blame our producer, Rex Schnelli. Blame it on the fact that we're in separate states and in separate time zones, and we're, we're, yeah. we're operating through Zoom. But we have to get some episodes out. We do. And, um, and since you've become a nomad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just knocking around the country. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, don't, I hardly go to the grocery store, but you're all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> Well, right now, I am in beautiful Monument, Colorado. Monument, uh, Colorado. Yeah, now, not too far from close? Colorado Springs. I can, okay. see, I can see Pike's Peak from my window. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. The air is thin. The sky is clear. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, there you are. <laughs> and I have recovered uh, from the holidays. Let's just do a quick holiday update, man. Yeah. Uh, Grandpa, how was the first Christmas with oh, Patrick? Well, thank you for asking. It was amazing because uh, we got him. Um, I, I went in with uh, my daughter and son-in-law to get him a little mini baby grand piano. Oh. And uh, he discovered that first thing and wanted no other presents. We couldn't even get him away from it long enough <laughs> to open anything else. Yeah. And so, you know, I... I'm pretty convinced that the first thing he sat down and banged out was uh, a variation on Carol of the Bells, but okay. I'm not positive we couldn't <laughs> quite make it out. <laughs> but it sounds like that musical aptitude is genetically transferred one generation he, to the next. Yes, he used both hands and he sat up on his little bench and we were proud. And so we took a ridiculous amount of videos and a ridiculous amount of pictures and you know he'll probably grow up and uh, you know work on airplanes or something and want nothing to do with music but we're convinced he's prodigious <laughs> okay <laughs> but how about you you had a great time with well family. i'm a, yeah i'm a grandpa too we got seven grandkids and Allie and i actually did christmas in shifts with the grandkids oh, so you know very we did wise an early christmas in florida with the two youngest and then and then one another one the saturday before christmas with the next three uh one of whom reciprocated you know we gave nice gifts and then she she gave us the flu so we came down <laughs> came, came down with the flu on christmas day which forced a 
uh, a postponement of Christmas with the oldest two grandkids who are now both in college. Yeah. We managed to pull that off a week later. And uh, but wow. it's, I'll tell you what, it's a wonderful thing. I'm just so grateful to be, first of all, I'm grateful that our family is intact against yeah. all odds. We have yeah. survived the ravages of addiction and are still together. Yeah. Uh, and I'm grateful for the fact that I was able to be not only physically, but emotionally present. Right. Uh, just, um, just be there and love and be loved on a special yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what it is. That's yeah. the, one of the rewards of sobriety. Yeah. For sure. Um, Say, I'll tell you what, I have used the holiday break to catch up on some reading. Uh, listen to a great book. Uh, our listeners, new listeners may not know that uh, in this little podcast, David is the recovering alcoholic and I'm the recovering sex addict. So I went into some, some more uh, sex addict resources, mm -hmm. found a great book uh, by a guy named uh, George. Oh, shoot. Suddenly, I can't remember his last name. It's called Breaking the Cycle. Okay. Uh, very, very practical um, audio book. I actually listened to it on Audible. Very, oh, yeah. Very practical um, instructions and recommendations for living day to day with, uh, you know, w with a sex addiction, learning to overcome. It's George Collins, by the way. I just looked it up. Mm. Um, anyway. Uh, one of the things I found very interesting was uh, George Collins talked about the addictive subpersonalities. Okay. Wow. I, I remember, you know, early in recovery, adjusting to this language where people would talk about my addict wanted to do this or my mm -hmm. addict feels this as though there is a part of me. It's still me, but it has uh, almost a separate identity. It has mm -hmm. separate feelings. It has, in some ways, its own history and its own tendencies. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it, it can't always be trusted because it makes bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk, I, I'm sure you're familiar with that language, David. Yeah. 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 We always, uh, very often, um, in fact, I was just talking about that with, with a client this week because they've gone to... Um, some behaviors that resemble their active addiction, although they're not uh, specifically uh, acting out um, in the way that they did in their addiction. Mm -hmm. But the emotional addict, the person inside is response is responding mm -hmm. in the way that they did as the addict because these behaviors are so are so similar. Sure, so, sure. So even trigger behaviors. Um, I don't know if I'm being real clear, but the, but even the trigger behaviors, uh, that, um, that resemble the old behaviors mm -hmm. cause us to go back to some of that emotional place of, um, of our inner addict. Right. So right, in other right, words, right. you know, the secrecy, the privacy, the, I only do this here, but I'm not really doing that. I'm just doing this, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but the same secrecy and, and, um, and, and uh, inner uh, dialogue narrative is driving the bus. And so they're acting to their family as though they've relapsed. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When technically yeah. on paper, we wouldn't say, well, that's not really, you haven't relapsed, but emotionally you really have, I yeah. guess is the yeah. best way to say that. Yeah. 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 
Um, I guess, you know, for a long time in recovery, I thought of my inner addict as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe this came from my religious upbringing, the idea that I've, you know, I've always got the devil on my shoulder. Good night, so, bad night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it really, it's more, I think, more accurate for me to understand that there is this personality that I developed uh, during childhood, actually, as a way mm-hmm. to deal with distressing and uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's built on an inner narrative of who I am and what I like and what I want. Um, and and that inner addict helped me to cope with life's harsh realities and, and you know, kept me emotionally alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's just not very mature. Mm-hmm. He's still stuck in a very old story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I, I need to be able to, 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 to hear, to recognize, uh, to listen to uh, that inner voice uh, without allowing that person, that sub-personality to drive the bus. Yeah, yeah. Right? Wow, yeah. That sounds like a pretty interesting book. Say it again for the uh, listeners. Yeah, it's called Breaking the Cycle by George Collins. Yeah. Yeah, some some really cool insights in the book. And that has some echoes to another way of uh, understanding our behavior. Uh, One mode of psychotherapy that's become quite popular and quite useful called Internal Family Systems, IFS. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we all know that we are the product of a family system that we grew up in, where mm-hmm. we played a role. Uh, so the insight of IFS is that we have actually internalized those different roles. Yeah. Um, and now there is within us an internal family system. Mm-hmm. There is this internal dialogue that's going on. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That uh, if we're not listening to it, if we're not attuned to it, can Mm -hmm. bring us to a point where we're doing things we don't understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, one of our listeners recommended to us uh, a very uh, articulate and wise expert in the field of internal family systems. And she was kind enough to agree to come on the show and talk with us a a little bit about this way of understanding life and of approaching healing. Yeah. Well, so listeners, hang on. Uh, I actually, let me see, where was I? I think I was in Michigan and you were otherwise engaged. Uh, so I conducted this interview without you, David. Uh, no, I was there. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right, life I think is... I was. Were you? Okay. I think I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, this whole last few weeks is such a fog. Uh, it is I a guess fog. you were. Uh, yeah, I think I was. But you okay, know. what does this say about me that I think <laughs> I'm the only person who conducted the interview? Uh, oh yeah. wow, that's all right. I may okay. not have said a lot. You okay. know, so, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm curious to see if I show up. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for the next episode on narcissism. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you are. <laughs> all right. Well, then uh, let's pull from the vault. Let's let's listen to this. Uh, conversation with Cease Sykes. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast.
are back on the Positive Sobriety Podcast with a very special guest. With us this week is a counselor, psychotherapist. I don't know exactly how best to describe you, uh, but Cease Sykes has joined us uh, at the recommendation of one of our listeners. And uh, when I followed her up online, I found uh, I decided very quickly, this is somebody that our listeners are going to love to hear. Cease Sykes joining us from Chicago today. Hi, Cease. Hi, it's so nice to be with you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Cease, you have spent a lot of time these days because you have a lot of experience. You spend a lot of time these days in training other therapists. Is that true? I do, yes. Yeah. I wonder if you wouldn't mind rewinding for us back to kind of the beginning of your story and what is it that brought you into the work of counseling, into the whole field? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, Let's see. Well, I've been a psychotherapist since 1978, so it was a while ago. Uh, And I think initially I was drawn to, um, you know, I was drawn to the, I was trained as a clinical social worker. So Mm -hmm. that's all those conscious reasons we therapists have, like we want to help people and social justice and we want to bring healing to communities and to the world. And those were all my motivations as well. I knew some social workers at my high school were really cool. And I thought, I want to be cool like them, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They were very open and politically involved. And I thought, well, this is good. Um, Uh So those are the conscious reasons. But I always think that we therapists, and I actually do some workshops around this as well, uh, for therapists now around the heart lessons of our journey, which Mm. is the less conscious, I might almost say unconscious draw. Mm. And for so many of us, me included, we come from families where there's been wounding, where there's been a lots of, my own family is family tree, has all kinds of addictions, uh, sexual acting out, gambling, suicide, all of those kinds of things scattered throughout my family. And so, and growing up with oldest child of six kids and a depressed mm-hmm. mom who had, was exploited in her childhood. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I think unconsciously I was drawn directly to want to heal uh, some of those wounds that I didn't even know I was trying to heal in myself and in my family. So I think for many of us, we also learn along the way what compels, you know, we talk about compulsions, Mm -hmm. what compels us, and we want to learn more about that so we're not ruled by our compulsions either. So so, I think that's part of the process of learning to be a psychotherapist. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, Cease, how did uh, family systems, you uh, write and, and um, the things I found on you uh, seem to most involve uh, internal family systems work. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what, um, what that means in your, in your work? Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's a type of psychotherapy. It's a psychotherapy approach. And the words reflect the, t- the way the therapy works. So the internal is that the psychotherapy, anyone who's been in counseling, any of your listeners who have been going to counseling, you sit with someone, you talk back and forth, you create a dialogue, a safe relationship, a healing relationship. So um, in addition to talking to the therapist, we include what we might call mindfulness or internal focusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads to the second part of family systems, internal family systems, is that this model, which was developed by a family therapist named Richard Schwartz, 
who uh, was working with eating disorders, actually, another compulsion, right? Uh-huh. Right. Um, addictive processes around food um, and getting stuck and began having uh, his clients start talking with internally. We'll just listen to that part that wants to binge eat all the time. Mm-hmm. And well, how do you feel toward it? Oh, you hate it. So like, wow, there's another part of you that hates that you binge eat. Wow. So then the purger gets rid of it for you. Okay. And so developed internal dialogue. So, but what that leads to is those three parts of that person, the one that binges or uses any kind of substance or food. Then there's parts that want to control it, Mm -hmm. shame it, uh, are disgusted by it. Then there's parts that try to get soothing. And underneath it all is that vulnerability Mm. uh, that we don't have access to immediately on the back burners of our consciousness, our Mm -hmm. sensitivity, our maybe um, childhood wounds, those kinds of things. So we think of the personality as a system relating to each other, Uh not just a chaos in there. So in the therapy, and I'll I'll stop and let you ask, in the therapy, I guide my client to first have a relationship, of course, with me, but then begin to have a relationship and inner dialogues with these different parts of who they are. Right. And so it's almost... Are you saying that the, the, the family piece of this is actually uh, the, the components within us? Correct. So we're not talking about just bringing, you know, uh, like in, in the work I do with addiction, often we have to work with families to bring families into the process. And we're talking moms, dads, spouses, partners, uh, kids, whomever, and um, they have to be brought into the process. But what you're talking about, it sounds like, is the internal family is, the, is those, those members within yourself. That's right. And again, we, I, I was trained initially as a family therapist. So my first 20 years, I did that. And I love bringing family. There's so much healing, mm-hmm. changing the dialogue, right? And mm-hmm. the roles right. between family members and listening open-heartedly and in a different way, mm-hmm. right? Finding the positive intention behind dad's, uh, dad yelling all the time. There's positive intention. He cares. He wants you to be different. Yes. Same principles apply internally. What if we can build a positive relationship with, the, with negative behavior, the parts of us that have used, that have created so much chaos and havoc in our life? How do we actually get curious and loving to those parts? The way parents have to see their teenager, they're using teenager in a much more complex way mm-hmm. with, wounds on, with wounds inside. How do I help my clients begin to see their own parts mm-hmm. in the same way with some level of complexity Wow! and kindness right? and yeah. curiosity? Like, I don't know. Those parents don't know everything, don't know everything they need to know about that teenager, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. 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 things on the surface. Right. And you're trying to get behind that with everybody. Right. Yeah. And it's the same internally. Yeah. Wow. Um, would you would you say that the the the, the birth of these uh, disparate internal parts mm-hmm. uh, is uh, born or fueled at all by trauma? Do you see a relation, or do all of us have these internal pieces? Are there more? Are, are, are there are there more pieces to the active addict than to somebody who has not developed, let's say, a, a, a process addiction? That's such a great question. <clears throat> I want to answer it in two ways. First, I want to say all no one can escape childhood with a certain amount of lack of attunement. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah yeah, yeah nobody gets a, nobody gets through childhood unscathed. True. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, you know, and for but for some of us. 
you know, and for some people, uh, the level of violence or exploitation or abandonment that they experienced, they just have so much uh, emotional pain, yeah. uh, which we call trauma. So yeah. I think that trauma, so if I, I, sometimes I map this out. I always map it out in my head and I map it out with my clients. Sometimes it's an inverted triangle. So at the bottom of that triangle is all of those early experiences or whatever's underneath the surface, our sensitivities. Right. Yeah. We call them exiles sometimes because they're out of our, exiles from our everyday awareness. Yes. I, I say something sharp to you. I don't know. I'm actually hurt, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's, that's below the surface. So we go above the surface to the top of the two points of the triangle and we have managers, all the parts that try to do the right thing mm-hmm. and take care of life and get us functioning. But also in that category are the parts of us that try to improve us. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with ambition and striving, but that mm-hmm. leads into criticism, right? Perfectionism. Yeah. Perfectionism is such a point along the road from healing, from using. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we want to over that, and that's because we're looking for balance. I was yeah. bad, I gotta be good now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Managers suffer with that, I gotta be good. And then we've got our, we, the model calls them firefighters. We can also call them soothers or distractors. And those are the parts when we've tried real hard, still feel awful. Yeah. Now we need relief. And mm-hmm. if we have, if we enter adulthood, I mean, think about a client who started drinking at five. She started finishing her parents' drinks at five years old. Okay. Why? Because wow. wow. she was in chaos and violence. Mm-hmm. And it was a real good idea for her. It helped her get away from it. Yeah. She was seeing things she shouldn't see. She needed yeah. to get away. So, I always want to help my clients see the positive intention yeah. of these soothers. Yeah. They are medicating something real. Mm-hmm. For some people, they need a lot of medication because there's a lot to medicate. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I'll have people who say, I grew up in a pretty normal family. My parents were pretty decent to me, but I took a drink when I was 17 years old and I felt better than I felt ever. Right. You know, they just, they, for them, they their story is I just had massive anxiety and it worked for me. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the more, the more that's under the surface that no one has been able, able to help us with. Yeah. The more mm-hmm. we need medication. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, cease do the two uh, parts at the top of that inverted triangle, oh. do they yeah. ever bargain with each other? I mean, oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, oh, like, yeah. like there's almost a, is there a dysfunctional even relationship like it, like in most families <laughs> within the, yes, you know, <laughs> so, and that inner dialogue can be quite intense and it can also parallel an external dialogue. I mean, the users would be like, you can't change me. You don't understand me. You don't, I deserve this. Yeah. Uh, you know, with all you're doing to me, pointing at the managers, pointing at like overwork, perfectionism, uh-huh. shaming. With all you do to us, what am I supposed to do? I have to do what I'm doing. You can't take this away. I won't let you take this away. Yeah. If we really listen, that's what it is. It's a fight mm-hmm. to the finish. Mm-hmm. And, and it gets a polarization then because the managers then get very strong, like that's disgusting, uh, that's fearful. So when I work, when in fresh recovery, or when I'm working with someone considering that inner dialogue is so intense. Mm-hmm. But what I always say to somebody, you need both those parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pause here. Let's mm-hmm. welcome them. It's just like in a family, you need the hard parent who tells me rule, rule making, and you need the soft parent that says, give them a break. You just don't want to make the kids crazy by going back and forth. 
That can yeah. Be yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and in the inner world as well. So how can we welcome the intent, not the activity. I'm not mm. trying to excuse using, I'm not trying to give it a pass, but I, as I say, never an excuse, but always reasons. Mm -hmm. And we want to learn what they are. And those, but the critics, the managers, they're, they're not interested. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we yeah. go to the other aspect of this model, which is that ability on the inside. We call it uh, that place of self or self energy. Um, if you have a spiritual feeling, it might feel like soul. Uh, it might feel like your life force. It might mm -hmm. feel just like that quiet inner voice. Even someone, you know, somebody will come and talk to you and they'll say, and they're, they're describing their relapse and they're saying, I'm in my car. And the whole time I'm going, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, don't drive, don't, don't go, don't go. It's bad. You don't want to go. You don't want to go. You don't want to mm -hmm. go. There. And then I went. Yeah. And I drove yeah. There. So I say, your inner wisdom isn't damaged. Mm -hmm. it's, it's still in there. And you can still hear it. Mm -hmm. It's just getting talked over and crowded out mm -hmm. by these protective parts. They're trying to medicate your pain this way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, it spurs so many questions because then uh, how do you build trust between that, that inner voice that doesn't want to go there? Yeah. Um, but gets uh, outvoted, I guess, in many ways, you know, uh, how do you build trust with the true self and that voice so that maybe there's that first time that you can actually not go there? That's right. Yeah. So how do you, yeah. And I always say uh, choice, right? That's what we're looking mm -hmm. for. The mm -hmm. that, that, so to, in order to have choice, we had to have a pause. Mm -hmm. So how do we create the pause when we're dealing with compulsive behavior? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that's why inner work is useful, and I'm not a neurologist. Any neurologist listening, don't, don't, don't take me. I'm not speaking from, uh, from um, uh, an educated place, essentially. But we know building, we can build a new neural pathways through mm -hmm. compassion. We're right. learning that. And Daniel Siegel and the other interpersonal biology people are documenting for us mm -hmm. what we can do. So in terms of IFS, when, we begin, when I begin with my client to say, how do you – we do a lot of visualization. How do you, what was the first time, you know, remembering his 14 year old part that was on the, on the corner dealing his drugs. Okay. Mom was using, he needed money. His dad was gone. Uh, he hated school. He was hanging out with his friends. He had companionship. How do you feel towards that part? At first, I hate it. He's a jerk. He's a little, you know, he's skipping school. He's, he's a bad kid. Mm -hmm. That's the critic. So let's mm -hmm. have the critic step back. Let the critic know it has a point. He's maybe not bad, but he's messed up, right? He is mm -hmm. messed up. So we get to know him. So when you begin with the open heart, just again, in a family where you're trying to help a parent be open-hearted to their child, yeah. just, mm -hmm. listen, just listen right now. So just listen to that 14-year-old and ask him when he was out there selling the news and how is he trying to help you? Yeah. And yeah. so by finding the more, the, the dimensions behind using, the dimensions of creating companionship for him. He needed money. Mm -hmm. It created connection and it relieved pain. Mm -hmm. The only problem with substances is that their pain relief is very brief. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and the second problem is that they have, they have consequences. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do when I develop those inner relationships is in addition to soothing yourself with a substance or a practice, you know, mm -hmm. or some other practice, um, I want to, what if you could 
but we're creating new ways to soothe. What if we could just be with that part with kindness internally mm. and learn about it in a different kind of way? Mm. Not to, you know, not to let the, the 14-year-old doesn't even want to be off the hook. He knows what he's doing, but he mm. needs connection. All this isolation inside. So mm. it's through open curiosity. Mm-hmm. And cr- so when we create the pause and develop, you know, in, in like meditation, you're supposed to ha- sort of pay attention and then let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And in the fast, we pay attention and bring it close. We want to talk to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I want yeah. to get to know you. You you have something for me here. Yeah. Uh, Cease, uh, I don't know whether you know this, but I'm a recovering uh, sex addict. And for me, this was, uh, you know, this was a huge shift when I came into the rooms of recovery. I came to recovery first through 12-step recovery. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that uh, my inner addict was ever met with compassion and empathy. I had been trying to control him through self-hatred. I actually even didn't see that there was a part of me called the addict. It was all me. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, And even though when you step back and look at it, clearly there's a struggle. I wasn't recognizing the struggle. That's right. Yeah, I just thought that I was yo-yoing between behaviors and it was all me all the time. And and all of me was, you know, polluted and and, uh, condemned to to the fires of hell because of that behavior. Yes. That's which I despise, but I couldn't hate myself or the behavior enough to stop. That's right. The kindness and empathy that I received in those rooms felt wrong. I resisted it. <laughs> I wanted, when I first went in, I wanted to enlist, uh, I wanted to enlist allies in self-hatred and I wanted to get, you know, a police force on the side or some kind of, right? I, I, I was looking for a probation officer uh, rather than a friend. Yeah. That's right. Uh, it yeah. feels scary, doesn't it? Yeah. Not scary. Not, wrong and scary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, are, are you encouraging or enabling? How does this conversation yeah. between the parts work out? Uh, are we doing this on paper? Are we doing it? Uh, you know, out loud in the company of the therapist? Are we learning to do it uh, internally in moments of contemplation or meditation? Mm-hmm. How does that work? Probably in some ways all of the above, but it starts in the therapy room. So first okay. I just want to say, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know you, Nate, but your listeners do, but I just mm-hmm. appreciate what you're, what you're sharing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, recovering from, you know, sex is like the hardest in the sense of the shame piece, right? And sure, the isolation, yeah. Just the yeah. isolation. Talk about trying to keep it under the surface and hiding. Yeah. So just, I love that you're just speaking about it. And I think you're describing the inner, your inner workings beautifully, which, you know, if I'm working with you, there are the parts that are using, Mm -hmm. they're acting out using relationships or pornography or combination things, right? And then there's all the dialogue. So just what you said, you don't know you, you, it's all mixed up together. Right. It feels chaotic, out of control, and you're filled with shame. Yeah. So just the idea of helping someone begin to get part into their different aspects of who they are, that there's this group of parts of you that are trying to, that are using, but they have a positive intention in there mm-hmm. behind their using. And these parts that are so disgusted, they have a point, mm-hmm. but they, I always say, ask the critic, has it healed those parts yet? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, it hasn't. It's been 22 <laughs> years. We're yeah. not in a plan B at all. Could we yeah, try yeah. one for five minutes? Could we try <laughs> five minutes of a plan B? So um, when, it's a great point where you threw in there too, which is, is it enabling mm-hmm. to welcome those parts? And so, and there is a way in which the therapist wants to stand uh, around that, which is to say, I'm, I'm not here to take this away from you. That's not my role. First of all, I don't have the power anyway. Yeah. And second of all, it's not my intention. My intention is to find out what you want. Oh, you don't want to do it anymore. Okay, let's uh-huh. start there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what are the part, you know, so there's that. And, and all, usually inside the person, there's all, they know all the reasons why they need to stop. They yeah. know all the reasons. They know, they know better than me all the damage it's causing. Right, yeah. So how do I get to a place of healing from that? is really in a crazy way. It seems like we want to go right to the users. Let's, yeah. let's get them. Let's get the probation officer. Let's get the cops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have to have detectives in here to make sure that they even look the wrong direction at the wrong kind of person. That's it. We're going to stop them in, the, in their tracks. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. We think, but actually when I pause with my clients, I say, you know who we have to work with first? We got to work with all your managers that hate them. Yeah. The inner hatred prevents a relationship from the soul or the inner voice to that part. Right. That's right. Well, yeah. Actually, not to say, I'm not saying to the users, go do what you want. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, well, how do you want to be right now? This is your intention. Let's set it. Let's set your intentions. Let's set your goals. But at the same time, when I say to you, how do you, Nate, or how do you, David, feel toward those parts of you using, you know, what I'm looking for and what I want to help my clients get to is, okay, I'm open. I'm mm-hmm. open. I'm yeah. listening. And that actually involves, you know, the inner dialogue. And we know this after recovery. You can take the using away. Yeah. Inner haters, the inner dialogue. Yeah. That's harder. Yeah. So what I say is I'm treating the whole system. And by that, I mean, of course, I want to treat the using so that the using does not have to do this so much. But I also am treating that inner dialogue, that diatribe of of contempt that we have going, that loop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that need, we need to be treating. And underneath it all, underneath it all, I always say, you may not have had a boatload of shame before you started using. Maybe you came from a sort of healthy family and you didn't have a boatload of shame. But it doesn't take long to create one. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. It's going to be there. We'll find it. Yeah. You know, so I want my clients to have safe access to that trauma. Mm. How do you have safe access access to those memories of exploitation when you were a child? Yeah. What we know is to get away from it. But we know through developing just that simple neural pathway of empathy towards those that five-year-old little guy, you know, yeah. who was seeing things he shouldn't see or had to go through things he shouldn't go through. Having empathy toward him. You know, this is where I say to my clients with flashbacks, you know. It's terrible to have flashbacks and that's painful and I'm so sorry that you have them. And the benefit of them, the benefit of memory or compulsive memory of flashback is that it's, we can work with it. It's mm-hmm. right here. It's mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. It's right here. It's never too late to wow. heal those parts of us that whatever we remember, we can heal. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, right here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. We've, we've, but we, in order to have access to that, we um, have to 
we have some of those clouds set back so that we can have some compassion towards. Because we know, that I always think of using as medication and medication is a desire to heal. Yeah. You know, if we hit our, and smash our elbow against the wall, we immediately rub it. We want to heal. Yeah. And the desire to heal is innate and mm. we can build on that. Yeah, yeah. I work with uh, a lot of people uh, in unwanted behavior disorder. I'm sorry, David, I missed it. Uh, yeah, you're cutting out a little bit there, David. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Uh, I, I work with a lot of people with unwanted behaviors, substance use disorder, compulsive, unwanted sexual behaviors or other behaviors. And one of the things that happens is people come in and they have good me and bad me. Uh -huh. um, mindsets and they want me, <laughs> they, my, they think my role is to help good me prevail in their yeah. life and bad me, you know, to go to hell or do yes. whatever it uh, needs to yes. do. And, and just so that good me can, um, you know, can, can live my life because if I can get uh, good me to behave, um, like I know good me is supposed to, then there won't be any room for bad me. And they have this very black and white, all yes. or nothing thinking about yes. themselves. Right, and what I'm loving about what I'm hearing you talk about is that how everything is so integrated, that these are parts of ourselves that have to learn to coexist. They're not going away, no. right? I mean, they've got to. <laughs> no, and I always say to my clients who want to be good, I go, how long is that going to last? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm actually not interested here in investing in you being good I don't, the word itself I object to yeah. if right. you're good you're going to eventually you're going to want to be bad right. Right? right so instead I want you to be curious I want you to be balanced I want you to get to know your bad parts the way we get to know a bad teenager uh -huh. and, and there's <laughs> complexity there yeah you're right that's right because yeah. good and bad is a setup for everybody. <laughs> right. And you right. can see it. But I love that your clients know that they have these different aspects of themselves. And that's something to build on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it is so helpful uh, to hear, hear you talking about people making peace with those parts of themselves in the process of all of that. That's right. That's right. And how, making peace with our user who has admittedly caused great chaos. Mm -hmm. hurt people, lost jobs, and all of the things. But being able to build a relationship with those parts, because what I always say, inside all of that stuff is a positive intention for you. And yeah. what if we can address that intention a different way? Yeah. It's trying to medicate, it's trying to soothe, it's trying to distract. And it's, I say, you know, like my client is started drinking a five, good thing, good thing you did. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have made it. Mm -hmm. When I made it. Yeah. And this is, we, you know, so we're medicating something real. That's what I always assume. We start there. We're mm -hmm. medicating something real. And when we, but what if we could be with what we're medicating in a different way? Mm -hmm. um, if I can ask you this, Cease, how does, as we become more self aware, more present uh, mm -hmm. with, all of ourselves yeah. uh, we're not trying to extinguish certain parts we're, we're, we're living in acceptance rather than denial in right. empathy I, 
during the course of this conversation, I find myself just drifting into, I'm just becoming more new agey thinking, this is really, this is, this is bottom line. It's all about love. I love it. Um, we're going to get a poster. We're going to make a poster. We're going to make a poster together. Yeah. But it's, it's all just beautiful stuff in it. And I know, you know, from my core that this is, this is really the heart of things. Um, as I kind of, uh, learn to extinguish self-hatred yes okay yeah and and live authentically and fully more fully in self-acceptance and i bring all of myself to every conversation and all of myself to other external relationships how does how does uh how does my understanding of my internal family systems uh affect external social systems, family and otherwise? Well, that's nice. That's such a nice question. Um, <clears throat> before I answer it, I want to just say something that I forgot to say that when you were sharing earlier, which is yeah. uh, you mentioned going to 12-step and I, I imagine many of your listeners go, I just want to say um, being in the company of others and recovery yes. is, I, I don't think an hour of psychotherapy a week is just quite enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to say that, uh, you know, so I'm, uh, <clears throat> I know some therapists have, it's a very complex issue and is it too religious and clients say, oh, it's too religious for me. There's a lot of stuff around there and we're, it's, we don't want to use all our time to, to sort that all out. It's complex. But I think that the company of others is a really beautiful opportunity for healing. Yeah. And uh, so I want to just see, underscore that I heard you say that and mm -hmm. I, I really encourage my clients to to have community mm -hmm. um so let's go to the external world what happens is right so you might have partners who are using you might have kids who are using or you're you might be the only one in your family who's recovering or you might be the last person in your family to recover we don't know what might it, it always alters our our world to to change and people, what I say to people is, you know, sometimes they say, if I remember this, if I work on this thing that happened to me in my childhood, I'm going to have to go confront my parents. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to be pretty. And I'm going to lose my family. And that's not going to be good. Or mm -hmm. if I do this, I'm going to have to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. so if I do this piece of work. So people have those fears. And those fears are quite legitimate. But what I, what I say clinically to work with that is, first we get it sorted like out internally. And we would never have just one part of you then engage with the external world. Not, we would never have just your angry part go home to your family. Oh, we yeah. never mm -hmm. have just your guilty part go home to your family, mm -hmm. for instance. So we would never want our, by doing this work, you are far less likely to interact with others from one of your parts. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. Wow. That's good. Right. Yeah. 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 So that, cause people are complex out there, right? Yeah. 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 So you want to be at the, your most solid. Yeah, yeah. I made the mistake early in recovery, uh, writing a very, very, very angry letter to my father. Writing the letter really wasn't the mistake. Mailing it was. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I really wish I had that letter back. Uh, and I really right. wish that I had been able to go to my dad farther on down the road when more integration had taken place. I'm at a real compassionate place with my father today. Unfortunately, he's passed and we can't now have the conversation I wish we'd able, been able to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. But how natural though, to, when you finally recognize 
and really can appreciate rage, or I would say there's outrage, which is anger, but it's about injustice. Ah, it was wrong. Yeah. Really, is that crazy? There was something wrong there. You know yeah. it. Yeah. So what, but what do we do with our outrage? We don't want to just have our outrage, even as right as it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's a very important part of healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cease, how can a listener um, locate someone doing the work uh, that you're doing locally? I mean, maybe you even uh, Zoom or FaceTime uh, with clients uh, out of state or something. I'm not sure. Uh, but, but if they aren't able to do something like that, is there um, an accreditation to look for, a certification sure. to look for? Sure. Uh, and I can email you guys this stuff if you put, I don't know, you have a website, right? Maybe you want to, I don't know. Yeah, it can go in show notes too, sure. Yeah. Um, but the... <clears throat> The internal, anyone who does the internal family systems model, who has, who has been trained in that approach, uh -huh. um, can be found, uh, there's a website called the Center for Self-Leadership, and I'll give you guys, that's centerforselfleadership.org, and they can go there. And that website is changing, actually, to be the IFS Institute, um, and that will, and they can go to that website and find a therapist there. Um, and mm -hmm. they're all over the country, and if they are in a more remote location, many of the therapists uh, many of us do uh, remote, you know, video conferencing, video consultation, video therapy. Okay. Um, and uh, I'll send you the information for my website, if just for even people want to read things. There's also mm -hmm. the website for the Center for Self-Leadership has a lot to read also. So there's just interesting things if you want to just learn a little bit more personally around this model. And there's tons mm -hmm. of books out and so forth. I'm currently writing a book with uh, a woman named Martha Swayze. Um, oh, great. Around how, you know, just sort of a practical, almost manual around using this model that I hope is useful for, for both therapists and people in recovery. Uh, <clears throat> so that we just some, that includes just the dynamics some thinking about it and the concepts, but also some exercises that can be useful. So right. uh, I'll give you guys those um, websites so that your, your reader or your listeners have that. Uh, and that is where they will go to find people trained in this. Yeah in this model and it's international as well oh great i've bought it in about eight or nine different countries as well so it's it's out there it's really growing great that's great well cease this has been a very enlightening and inspiring conversation i can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with us mm. uh, i know we're going to get a, a great and grateful response from our listeners yeah uh, absolutely and i do hope that we'll be able to reconnect sometime again in the future Oh, that'd be great. And thank you so much for this opportunity. You know, I get to talk to therapists all the time, but I, I like knowing that someone's listening who's not a therapist. <laughs> Somebody regular. <laughs> all right. That's right. That's right. We got a lot of regular people. We got a lot there. of regulars. Good. That's good. I like it. All right. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. I really appreciated it. Thank you, Cease. Right. Wonderful. Right. Great questions. It's lovely. Great. Listen, thank you. Listeners, stick with us. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And I am uh, so excited that we got to talk with Cease. 
uh, Nate, and I'm excited that I was there and uh, <laughs> to actually, <laughs> to the, you know, to have that moment with her that, uh, you know, uh, just, uh, uh, to, to make it all fresh again, but no, seriously, <laughs> um, it is exciting because I had the idea before I, um, got into all this stuff that internal family systems just were totally mirrors of our, um, our family dynamics that we would call, you know, our spouses and parents mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all those roles that we have people who play in our, uh, active addiction. But, uh, she was coming from a completely different place than I had anticipated. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, we would love to hear the reaction of our listeners. Uh, what, what doors of insight did this conversation open for you? Did it raise any questions? Uh, did, it, did it prompt any life-changing epiphanies? We'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a line at positivesobrietypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and we love to hear uh, from you, and we will do our best to get back to you. Uh, it may not be in a extremely expedient manner but it will be in a uh, very grateful one yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) heartfelt you will get a heartfelt reply all right and uh david we've got a we've got a couple other um interviews in the can we're going to be drop some episodes here in the next couple of days yeah uh but i think we've probably come to the end of this one i think it's ready for a wrap what do you say i would say so Okay. And I'm still here, so. Okay. (laughs) Well, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm David. We're your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer, Rex Schnelli. Music by Rex Schnelli. Theme music by Matt Ulrich. Uh, Hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett. Uh, Wardrobe (laughs) by Kathy Gifford. 